The thing to always remember about the Western is that even though the stories are set in the past, they are more about the times in which they are made. High Noon came out in 1952 and can be understood as an allegory for its time. Quintessential American hero Gary Cooper plays Will Kane, sheriff of Hadleyville. Just minutes after he is married, Kane learns that one Frank Miller is coming on the noon train. Miller is an outlaw who Kane put behind bars. Now Miller has been pardoned and is coming back to exact revenge. But even though Kane had rid the town of Miller's tyranny, no one in the town will support him in confronting Miller. As far as the townsfolk are concerned, it's Kane's fight. So Kane's options are stark run and live, or stay and die. Kane's back. Don't believe it. You see me? How many coffins we got? Two. We're going to need at least two more, no matter how you figure. You better get busy for it. It's based on a short story, The Tin Star, written by John W. Cunningham, that was first published in Collier's magazine in 1947. At the time, a fear that communism had taken root in America was once again gripping the country, and Hollywood, like everywhere else, was under investigation. Actors, writers, directors, producers and studio heads were all called before the House Committee and asked, were they now, or had they ever been, members of the Communist Party? And if they weren't, did they know anyone who was? Some people capitulated and named names, while others who refused to cooperate were denied the protection promised by the US Constitution and imprisoned. Their lives and careers were consequently ruined by the hearsay, slander, gossip and lies perpetuated by those hearings. It was out of such disgraceful violations of the Fifth Amendment that High Noon was born. But its origins go back to another time, ancient Greece, and it is from the principles of Greek drama that High Noon derives much of its strength and its timeless gravitas. I'm begging you, please, let's go. I can't. Don't try to be a hero. You don't have to be a hero, not for me. I'm not trying to be a hero. If you think I like this, you're crazy. Look, Amy, this is my town. I've got friends here. I'll swear in a bunch of special deputies, and with a posse behind me, maybe there won't even be any trouble. You know there'll be trouble. Then it's better to have it here. Firstly, and just as Aristotle espoused, High Noon is played out in one location. Secondly, again just as Aristotle espoused, it takes place in real time. Thirdly, it draws from a central tenet of Greek tragedy that holds character as destiny. Again and again, from the writings of Aeschylus to Sophocles, from the characters of Oedipus to Prometheus, Greek tragedy dramatised an individual's inability to avoid their destiny. The more we try to escape it, the more it will become our fate. With those strands, High Noon is as tightly wound as the ticking clock that ticks away to the inevitable climax. So, High Noon is about a man wrestling with his fate and knowing that if he runs from it, he will never stop running. It is about a man who knows the consequences of his actions. If he runs, the town will be exposed to tyranny and lawlessness. And yet, for all the protection Cain has given to the town and continues to offer it, the townsfolk simply won't help him in defending them. No, no, he's coming. Like I told you, I'm not home. Don't let him in. No matter what he says, I'm not home. Sam, he's your friend. Don't argue with me. He'll be here in a second. He won't believe me. He'll know I'm lying. You do like I tell you. Not even his wife will support him. I'm sorry, honey. I, I know how you feel about it. Do you? Of course I do. I know it's against your religion, though. Sure, I know how you feel. But you're doing it just the same. Will, we were married just a few minutes ago. We've got our whole lives ahead of us. Doesn't that mean anything to you? 
You know I've only got an hour and I've got lots to do. Stay at the hotel until it's over. No, I won't be here when it's over. You're asking me to wait an hour to find out if I'm going to be a wife or a widow. I say it's too long to wait. I won't do it. Amy. I mean it. If you won't go with me now, I'll be on that train when it leaves here. Wonderful symmetry, isn't it? The train is bringing Frank Miller and the same train will take his wife away. So it is about personal courage in the face of social cowardice. And in the end, having done what he had to do, Kane takes his sheriff's badge and throws it in the dirt. It is one of the most defining gestures ever delivered by any actor in any Hollywood film. What it says is the principle was worth defending, but the townsfolk are not worthy of the principle. But that is all very well and fine, because as I have described it, High Noon could easily have been a stage play. So how does it succeed as a movie? Well, where other westerns before and since have lavished audiences with panoramas of America's valleys, vaulting mountains and burgeoning towns, High Noon focuses instead on the landscape of conscience. We all know you can dramatise, symbolise and visualise something. Well, what High Noon does is cinematise psychological agony. We're treated to close-ups of Will Kane, played by Gary Cooper. Now, Cooper was an actor more comfortable when not delivering dialogue. And so when the camera closes in on his face, we see a man silently struggling with his destiny. That destiny is symbolised by the ticking clock that counts down the minutes to midday. And when noon comes, so too will the train. And with it, death. Hello, Frank. How are you, Frank? Everything ready? Sure, just the way you want it, Frank. Yeah, we got your gun over here. Let's get started, then. Sound and image brought together by editing. That trinity is the art of cinema. And through those disciplines, High Noon delivers its polemic fiercely. Tyranny comes and must be faced down, because doing so is the measure of character. And character, as the Greeks told us, is destiny. Well, how about this for character? High Noon was nominated for Best Picture in 1952, but for that year, the Academy voted for a piece of piffle called The Greatest Show on Earth. But it gets worse, because before that, High Noon's scriptwriter, Carl Foreman, was holed up in front of the House Committee. Foreman had been a member of the Communist Party in the 30s, but had long since severed links. In fact, by the early 50s, he was avowedly anti-communist. He was asked to name names, but despite severe pressure to do so, he did not. Consequently, he was blacklisted. Nobody came to his defence. Not Stanley Kramer, the producer of High Noon, not Fred Zinnemann, the director of High Noon, and not Gary Cooper, the star of High Noon. Foreman left America and went to England. It would be nice to be able to say that he had the last laugh, because in 1958, he wrote the script for The Bridge on the River Kwai. Kwai won seven Oscars, including Best Picture, Best Director, Best Actor, and Best Screenplay. Only Foreman was denied the award because the blacklist ensured that he was denied credit on the film. It wasn't until March 1984, just two months before his death, that the Academy finally admitted the error of its ways and gave Foreman what he so richly deserved. Oh, I can't believe it until I shoot 